this is Jeff Cobra, and we welcome you to this Disney at Work podcast. This last week, Bob Chapek, CEO of the Walt Disney Company, penned a letter to all Disney cast members. Here, he shares his vision of where the company is going while it's seeking to move forward past this pandemic. To that end, he outlines three pillars for moving forward, one on storytelling, one on innovation, and one focused on the audience or customer. We dissect his remarks and consider what implications lie between the lines. Join us for this Disney at Work podcast as we consider where the Walt Disney World Company is headed as it begins its next 100 years. We'll also consider the implications of this message as it relates to your organization. Now make sure you check out DisneyAtWork.com. Remember, we have two websites. DisneyAtPlay.com has a lot of the fun fan stuff that we cover. DisneyAtWork.com allows us to not only explore the business of the Walt Disney Company, but consider for a moment what um, what are the takeaways for our own work and, and livelihood. And in fact, at the end of this podcast, I'll have some what we refer to as souvenirs for you and your organization. They're takeaways for you to consider from these messages that are being given. By the way, in the Disney at Work pod, uh, post, you'll also see the entire uh, text of Bob Chapek's letter. I'll read that letter, but I'm going to stop at key points <laughs> throughout the letter to kind of discuss what I'm hearing between the lines, so to speak, as, uh, as we as we uh, study it. So without further ado, let's, uh, let's read this letter. Team, comma, as we begin the new year, I want to share our mission and the strategic pillars that will be key to our success. Stop right there. Now, this is an appropriate thing to do. This is what CEOs do. This is his first year being completely and entirely and totally in charge. He will sign his letter at the end of this, Bob. He will not be signing it as Bob C or Bob Chapek. It will be just Bob because there is now only one Bob in the organization and that's Bob Chapek. Bob Iger has completely and entirely moved on and this is his first full I'm the guy in charge now at this point, a letter. And it's an appropriate thing to do in any uh, new year. We should all be looking at our mission. We should all be looking at what strategies we have as we begin any new year. And we should be sharing that with those around us. So he is, uh, he is doing that in this, um, in this note to us. Then he goes on to say, but first, I want to start 2022 on a note of gratitude for all of you, your talent, dedication, and optimism during the most disruptive time in our company's history. I'll stop at the end of that paragraph to say, you know, we have to, we have to recognize a couple of things here. This man's been in charge of a company that has gone through its worst period in time. Perhaps the most difficult in time, I talk about 
Roy and Walt during the 1930s as the stock market crashed. Those were not easy times. It took it took till 1937 to really get Snow White up and going. Um, and so those were hard times. But this is a painfully difficult time. This is a time where he has had, where a lot of people are no longer with the company. Um, and by the way, I should... I should talk about this because the other day, as I was um, in the Disney Springs area, I talked about uh, in my previous podcast, going to Muppet Vision and having met David Zanola at a Speedway across from Disney Springs. Well, when you exit Speedway, you end up going kind of past the Team Disney parking lot there at Walt Disney World. I was shocked, surprised, just confused as I went by this parking lot. It was a Friday and it was completely empty. There were no cars. I mean, maybe seven or eight, 12, maybe. This is, this is the main offices for Walt Disney World. They are offices which contain space for thousands of employees and nobody's in the building. Now, in truth, I can't be entirely surprised because if you pass by, if eight, 10 years ago, or three years ago even, if you pass by the building on a Saturday or Sunday, you'd find the same thing, maybe a handful of cars. But here was the middle of the week, and it was a jarring reminder to me that this company has been working from home for the better part of two years now. That is not an easy thing. I provide programs for corporations and organizations who have struggled with working virtually as a team or as an organization from home. These are very hard things to do. Oftentimes, organizations barely have enough trust of their employees when those employees are underneath their nose. Now their employees are spread around and they've got to make things work, succeed. It is, it is a surprising, I have to say, it has been a difficult time. And I appreciate the fact that he begins, as he should, with a note of gratitude for the people who have made this work under such difficult circumstances. He goes on to say, thanks to you, we are weathering the pandemic and emerging stronger than ever. Over the last two years, we continue to tell the world's best stories, reorganized and accelerated our transformation to better serve audiences and guests. Now, it, uh, let me just stop there. You might look back and say, really? Is Disney better today? Um, have they better reorganized? Or have they accelerated themselves? He goes on to say, we looked inward during a time of social disruption, saw how much was left to do, and made significant change. 
And of course, we underwent a leadership change, and I am enormously grateful for the tremendous foundation Bob Iger left us. I liked those words. We looked inward. And in truth, anybody who's a leader has to look inward at some point, especially during a difficult time. Those That's what difficult times do. They make us look inward and they make us think, okay, what's not working here? And what do we need to do to fix it? What do we need to do to address it? And where do we need to make change? Change is difficult for any individual. It's ginormous when you are a corporation the size of the Walt Disney Company. And so I appreciate the fact that they have had to do that during this period. They've had a difficult pandemic to weather. But he's saying, look, we have tried to look inside and say, what are we needing to do better and to make those changes? Now, you may not agree with some of the changes which have been made, for instance, and the big one that seems to be the thorn in everybody's side, Genie or Genie Plus in particular. And I wouldn't blame you because I think Genie Plus is a thorn in many ways. But so were many of the issues previous, such as the overwhelmedness of the annual pass system at Disneyland, or how really broken FastPass Plus was in terms of so often uh, it really left more people in line returning with the fast pass than there were actually in line for standby. It, it, there were problems with the system and other kinds of things we haven't even begun to name. And so I appreciate the fact that they have taken the time to think about that. I also appreciate the fact that he recognizes Bob Iger and the foundation he left. Many of the good things we are doing are a result of Bob Iger. I will also say he doesn't in this letter, but I will also say many of the things that weren't done were a result of Bob Iger too. There are things he didn't pay attention to that needed to be paid attention to. He goes on to say, you achieved those things during a once in a century pandemic and I want to acknowledge those whose roles require them to be in the office or one of our parks as well as those working from home while managing at-home learning and gaps in childcare. I also appreciate your patience as we begin reopening our offices. Our long-term goal is to provide greater flexibility and your leaders will be in touch as plans evolve. I think this is true with all corporations and certainly the ones I am dealing with as we've dealt with virtual teams and working virtually from home. There is a need for greater flexibility. Frankly, there always was, even prior to the pandemic. For instance, I deal with a lot of um, organizations in the public sector, federal corporate uh, organizations along the Beltway and the craziness of getting in and out of Washington, D.C. all the time on, you know, five days a week was always crazy. They were already looking at these issues prior. Um, it's It makes sense that Disney also looks at how they can provide greater flexibility. By the way, I will also say as a Disney cast member, um, even though I had during those years, um, my wife was at home with our children, I was given a lot of flexibility and I appreciated that during those years, being able to stop, drop and take care. 
of childcare, and they knew that I would more than make up for it in the end. That I appreciated in the relationship I had with Disney during my years with them. We go on to say it's ironic that this disruption is happening as we, pre as we prepare to celebrate our company's 100th anniversary. Stop right there. So I have mentioned this on a couple other podcasts, but I love to mention it, and you can plan on me talking about it a whole lot more. The company will be 100 years old on October 16th of 1923. That's where we get D23, the 23 and D23, is because the company was formed in, um, in 1923. October 16th, I have memorized very well because it happens to be my birthday. I am, I was born on the day of Disney's um, corporate anniversary. Now that has not been a well-celebrated anniversary. The 75th, ah, you probably missed. I actually have um, a couple of things left over from the few souvenirs that they they sold, including a beautiful, um, a beautiful uh, lithograph. But uh, most people never saw that anniversary come and go. In fact, actually, it was actually tied loosely to the premiere of Fantasmic at Disney's Hollywood Studios, as I recall. Yeah, that was about the same time I remember celebrating it. So, um, so I'm very excited every time I hear somebody talk about celebrating the company's 100th anniversary. That's a great thing. And we, um, I'm very excited for that and hope that they have an opportunity to really pull out all the stops that they weren't able to quite do for uh, Disneyland's, uh, or for Walt Disney World's uh, fifth, uh, I'm sorry, 50th anniversary. Goes on to say, for nearly a century, we have defined and redefined entertainment, created countless lifelong memories, and delighted fans and families around the world. It's a legacy that is simply unrivaled and a welcome responsibility for us to build upon. I love all the words in that statement. I love what Disney is. I love the fact that it has continued to evolve or redefine, as he's put it. I love the idea that it delights not just fans, but families. And I believe it is a legacy that is unrivaled, which makes it an incredible responsibility for the cast of the Walt Disney Company to build upon. And so, he goes on to say, I believe our mission for this year is clear. Set the stage for our second century and ensure Disney's next 100 years are as successful as our first. To do that, we will focus on three pillars. And these are those pillars. First, storytelling experience. What makes Disney so unique is that the stories we tell mean something to people. They inspire, give hope, bring us together, illuminate the world around us, and create memories. That is Disney magic, and we must continue to set the creative bar higher and higher. Let me stop right there and say when he says that is Disney magic, he italicizes, I think for the only time in the entire level, that word, that. 
What is Disney magic? It is those stories which inspire, those experiences which inspire, give hope, bring us together, illuminate the world around us, and create memories. I love this statement. If you go to Saving Mr. Banks, when he heads out to London to talk to Pamela Travelers, which is a fictional part of that actual story, but it's a great moment when Tom Hanks sits down as Walt Disney and talks to um, um, Pam and says, look, this is what us storytellers do. We give hope. If there's something that is magical to me about the Walt Disney Company, and it's something that I have followed for many decades, is that it's not the story that is magic. It's that the story inspires, gives hope, brings you together, illuminates the world around you, and creates a memory to last a lifetime. That, I believe he is right. That is Disney magic. And I also believe that they have to continue to set the creative bar higher and higher. He's going to go on to talk about that in a minute when he says to that end, and in addition to all my other creative meetings, and by the way, you notice he says, not all my other meetings, my creative meetings, he's trying to send an inference, and this goes back to this kind of conversation that kind of happened between he and Bob Iger in a retreat where Iger was saying, oh, it's a creative company. Well, you know, Bob Iger started as a weatherman. I don't know that he started from any more creative starting point than Bob Chapek has started. But he is saying that he agrees that that creativity matters because he goes on to say, I am establishing a new standing monthly meeting with our senior creative leaders to discuss the opportunities we face as a storytelling enterprise. This will encourage collaboration, sharing of best practices, and stimulate cross-studio ideation. You have Marvel, you have Fox, you have Pixar, you have Disney Animation, you have all of these venues. They need to be not just comparing their story and saying, well, I have that plot line. No, they need to be talking about how they make those stories come alive in all of the different venues and possibilities that there are. Some of those venues are traditional, a theatrical release. Others are brand new, like Disney+. Plus. Some are even more groundbreaking, and that's where we come to the second thing. Second, he says, second innovation. Since Steamboat Willie, we have been the world's foremost innovative storytellers. That must continue as technology evolves, giving our creative teams new canvases like the metaverse on which to paint. Okay, boy, there's a lot going on here. So he talks about Steamboat Willie and why does Steamboat Willie matter? Because Steamboat Willie didn't come until 1928 um, when the company was organized in 1923. It took them that much time to realize that it wasn't just doing a cartoon, but they needed to do something different about that cartoon. And that cartoon had sound and that made them 
more innovative as a storyteller. They were a storyteller in 1923, but they that milestone occurred in 1928 when they made that film with sound, which was a big thing, and then went on to do color and, and uh, multiplane and all that involves. And so he's saying, look, hey, that must continue as technology evolves giving our creative teams, remember the people he meets with every month, like the metaverse on which to paint. Now, this word metaverse, I've, I've got a lot of podcasts to talk about that moving forward. And it lines up with storytelling, curiously enough. In fact, I've actually been a keynote speaker to organizations to actually talk about how Disney is approaching the metaverse and other technologies moving forward. This is a big thing that probably isn't on everybody's horizon. There were certain patents that came out just a couple of days ago, which deals with being able to look at 3D experiences without putting on a pair of 3D glasses. That came out just a couple of days ago. There is more to come in that regard. We will talk about that in upcoming, um, very upcoming podcasts. Uh, maybe not this weekend, but certainly um, in the next week or two to come. This is a big deal. This may be to Disney. Well, it's either going to be Disney's biggest folly or it's going to be the next big thing to a theme park. In fact, it will be more important than Disney saying we're going to build a new theme park resort somewhere else around the world. It's that big and that important because it's taking the physical and making it virtual and taking the virtual and making it physical. And no one can take the physical Many companies can take, like Facebook, can take virtual and try to make it a little bit more physical. But no one can take the physical and make it more virtual than Disney, who offers these incredible thematic playgrounds from which, which become uh, uh, points, uh, stepping off points for, for the virtual. It may be that much of your experience in the theme parks may not be tied to your actually being at the theme park. Big stuff. Then again, maybe it's all smoke and mirrors. It's an interesting issue, but they are at least being serious and focusing on ways in which innovation can bring stories to life in new ways, which is what he goes on to say. We should be especially innovative as we seek to bring stories to life in new ways, particularly if they enhance what many call our franchise ecosystem, which is one of the things that sets us apart. A couple of things inherent in that. First off, um, yes, companies should be innovative. Companies should be strategic. In fact, it's interesting because I came across this story. It was in Wall Street uh, Journal. And this may seem like an aside, but it seems very particular, particularly important as it relates to Genie. And, and basically, the thesis of the article is 
maybe we should get rid of IT departments. Now let me back up and say that in my work, I tell organizations they should get rid of their customer service department. Now I'm, I'm, I'm a leader in helping organizations become more customer service friendly and building out their customer experience. So when I say get rid of your customer service department, people are really like weirded out by that. They, the customer service department seems so important to them. And there is a place and time for a key group of individuals to lead out on strategic initiatives. But my thesis, when I talk about customer services, it shouldn't be a department. It should be the business of everyone. Well, this article on IT said, look, IT shouldn't be a department. Yes, there are place, there are individuals who need to take care of things like servers and, and, um, um, and security issues and things of that nature. But IT should be the business of everyone in the organization. Business is technology. Technology is business. I say the same thing with organizations. Business should be about customer service. Customer service should be about business, which is interesting because that leads down to the third point that Bob brings out in just a moment here. But, but in particular, what I love about this idea here is that we're saying Look, we have got to embrace technology, which, by the way, was a Bob Iger thing. In fact, honestly, there's a lot of this. If you had put Bob Iger's name to it 20 years ago, people would have just looked at it and said, OK, um, and, and would have accepted it moving forward. I think we should, just because it's got Bob Chapek's name on it and because everybody's frustrated with Bob Chapek and Genie Plus, um, now that's a problem because I tell you, Disney is not good at IT. It is really great at storytelling and entertainment. It is really got a problem with IT. It needs to be a technology company if it's going to embrace being innovative as a storyteller. It's missing a lot on that and Genie Plus and other things like that are great examples of how it keeps missing the mark technology-wise. I sometimes wonder if we've got the leadership in place um, to really embrace technology. All that said and done, um, he goes on to say, we should be especially innovative as we seek to bring stories to life in new ways, particularly if they enhance what many call our franchise ecosystem. Well, that's a new phrase, and it's in, it's in air quotes, by the way. Franchise ecosystem which is one of the things that sets us apart. Franchise ecosystem, I don't know, maybe I'm missing this, but I thought we called that synergy at one point. It was the idea that different things combine create for bigger opportunities. And I feel like that's what is happening here. Bob Chapek said when, um, I think it was when Galaxy's Edge opened, he did a little interview and Somebody, I guess, alluded or asked the question, is everything that's going to be built at Disney IP related? I don't think that Bob looks at IP for IP's sake in the legal sense. What he does look at is that there are stories that Disney shares and Disney should be embracing those stories as they build out their parks. And his answer was, in effect, look, Universal would die to have 
some of the stories and the characters and intellectual property that we have. So why aren't we building on those things? And I think that's at the heart of what is happening there. That's what's meant by the franchise ecosystem is, look, we build out great stories and we put them to life in every possible way imaginable. Even something as out there as the metaverse. That's at the heart of what he's trying to say here and that innovation must lead. My point to it all is, is if innovation is a pillar, then you have got to embrace it far wider than you are embracing. It cannot be an IT department. It must be something that is part of the fabric of the company in the same way that storytelling is part of the fabric of the company. And do it before somebody like Apple buys you out. That's another story. Anyway, next thing. And third, relentless focus on our audience. We are a big company with many constituents and stakeholders, all of whom have a place in our decision-making. But at the end of the day, our most important guide, our North Star, is the consumer. Right now, their behavior tells us and our industry that the way they want to experience entertainment is changing and changing fast, thanks to technology and the pandemic. We must evolve with our audience, not work against them, and so we will put them at the center of every decision we make. Well, that may be a little bit of a defense against um, how Black Widow ended up being treated the way it did, how Red, I think the story, the name of the movie is Red, the dealing with the... Uh, um, uh, the red uh, panda that is at the heart of this uh, Chinese story that's coming out from Pixar. It They just announced that's going to Disney+. Plus. And I think Laughing Place or somebody kind of did an article saying, hey, you know, you're not, you're not respecting your artist by just dumping it on Disney+, Plus and not putting it into the theaters. What he's basically said in previous situations he says we are going to look we are a data-driven company if you are a data-driven company and you're doing it correctly and by the way this is another podcast then you have to listen to your customer you have to really consider what your customer is telling you and that's at the heart of everything here now based on what i observe in the minutiae in the parks, you kind of wonder if they're really listening to the customer, i.e. the guest is what we like to refer to them. And I wish they'd refer more to them as the guest than the audience or the consumer. But notwithstanding, you have got, yeah, listen to them, but you got to listen to them, not just quantitatively, but qualitatively. You got to hear them. You got to be in the trench with them. You got to really walk in their shoes. The very cornerstone thing that Walt Disney did, he got that apartment above Main Street because he wanted to walk in the shoes of his customers. By the way, he also did the other things where he ran theater screenings and, and surveyed audiences to what they thought and so forth. But at the end of the day, Nothing replaced Walt Disney walking in the shoes of his audience. And that's what the organization has to do if you want to have a relentless 
Focus on your audience. Now, he goes on to say, when you look at the entertainment landscape, I believe Disney stands alone. We have the world's most creative storytelling engine along with the world's most beloved brands and franchises, which we can bring to life in ways no one else can. We have a portfolio of distribution platforms across the world, including powerful streaming services with the ability to reach audiences anywhere, anytime. We have the number one news organization and the most trusted brand in sports. We bring people together and make magical memories that last a lifetime at our parks and on our cruise ships. We have a unique ability to impact culture and connect with people on deeply personal levels. And we have you, the best team in the business. I couldn't think of a better combination and I could not be more optimistic about our future. I look forward to setting the stage for our next century with all of you and to making the unique brand of magic that only Disney can. Bob. That's the end of the letter. I don't have any problem with this letter. I do think that some of the things he intends to do needs greater clarity and needs a different focus than maybe how he has focused or how the company has focused on them in the past. But I admired the strategic approach Bob Chapek is putting to Disney, and I think they're the right things to focus on moving forward in the company. Now, we got the podcast I was getting ready to, to deliver to you, going back to the relentless focus on our audience, is are you... Yeah, you listening to this podcast, are you part of the audience? When an organization determines their consumer or their guest or their customer, they develop certain personas that define the kind of people they ultimately serve. You may be one of them, but you are also part of a larger set of personas. And you may not be the persona that is most important to the organization. We'll talk about that on another time, as well as we'll talk about technology, about, about uh, measuring that audience and understanding them, data, which Bob has been very vocal about data. And then we have got to talk about the metaverse. That's huge because there's a lot coming down the path. But as a whole, this is a solid and a promising strategy if implemented. In a previous interview, I think he did with the 23, um, and a very personal interview, if you've not heard that interview, you should listen to it. He says, look, if, if you think in so many words, if you think I'm making decisions about what's the next popcorn bucket coming out or what's on the restaurant menu, I'm not. I'm looking at strategic matters and frankly, that's where CEOs should be. They should be looking down the path. They should be looking forward. They should be trying to guide the organization to new places they haven't been before. If there's one thing Bob Iger did, is he did that. He brought the organization into markets. He brought new brands like Marvel and Star Wars and, and um, um, or Lucasfilm and, uh, and Jim Henson and others into the fold, uh, Fox, of course. These, that's what CEOs do. 
that's what he needs to do as a CEO. When you don't have your trams working, I don't think you can really blame Bob Chapek for, for that. And yet, I wonder who you can. Who is ultimately making that or making the decision that those things aren't? And are they really focused on their audience? Or are they misguided on who that audience, their most important audience is? Again, that's fodder for another day. Meanwhile, I want to ask you a number, well, as I promised, there are souvenirs, free souvenirs for you and your organization. These are listed in disneyatplay.com on our post. But think about these things because you aren't Disney necessarily, but, and even if you are at Disney, and some of you are, you still have an opportunity on your own team to think about these things. So in or out of Disney, consider the following. Who and what has gotten you through the pandemic? To whom should we be grateful? Next, how have you looked inward at your own organization during this period? What have you considered in terms of what's working and not working? And how have you really studied where you're at in this time that we've been in? Next, how will this pandemic equip you to provide your employees and your organization greater flexibility moving forward. Nothing is more needed at the Walt Disney Company than the ability to be agile, which was one of their problems going into the pandemic. Agility is another topic for another podcast, but it is a topic I deal with organizations personally, getting them to be in a more agile place. Next, how does your story or the story of your organization give hope inspiration and illumination to others. What is it that you do that provides magic? Next, what are the pillars for your organization moving forward? What are the strategies that are going to get you there? Ask yourself, where does innovation or technology play a role in moving your organization forward? And then finally, ask yourself, how are you focused on your customer? How are you staying in touch with them? These are great questions that anyone should be asking within their organization, in or out of Disney. And they're especially important issues that Disney as a whole is addressing moving forward. Thank you for being part of this Disney at Work podcast. Know that this is what we do in my organization is we help places in the public, private, nonprofit sectors really focus on what is their strategy and how to move forward. So this has been a great opportunity to introduce some of the concepts and ideas that we present. If you want to know more, particularly as it relates to the Walt Disney Company, then by all means, you have got to sign up for the Wayfinder Society. When you sign up for the two highest tiers, because those tiers will allow you to explore some very interesting insights you're not going to get anywhere else 
about Disney. Insights you can't get at Disney because they're not going to tell you those stories. Insights that you're not going to get from outsiders because they haven't experienced Disney like I have over my many decades. Join up for the Wayfinder Society. You are going to want to be part of that experience. You're going to love it and uh, and you're going to learn so many wonderful things in it. And, uh, and be sure to subscribe to this podcast and to Disney at Work so you can be notified of future posts and podcasts as they come out. Again, thank you for being part of this uh, podcast and in the words, a Sinbad storybook voyage. Always follow the compass of your heart. Have a great day. We'll see you real soon.